Hi, I'm Jerry Maguire, the co-host of Parliamental, a podcast where I talk with Anne McLaughlin, the new SNP MP for Glasgow North East. I'm here now in Barmullet Community Centre with the lady herself. Anne, it's good to see you. And it's not bad to see you either, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a very echoey room. We are, yeah. There's a birthday party next door. Anything could happen. The sound quality is probably terrible. But mm. hey. first off, Anne, I'd like to apologise for missing last week's episode. Um, our diaries are mad. Yours is infinitely madder than mine, but mine's pretty mad as well. But we're going to schedule this from now on. We are. Get the big diaries out. We're going to sort it out. I think it's me that should be apologising, actually. It was me that ended up just having no time. But I think if we plan ahead, yeah, we'll definitely yeah. be able to do it. I mean, I was graciously throwing myself in that grenade there, Anne. But if you want to shoulder the blame, <laughs> that's, that's fine. But yeah, definitely plan ahead. Um, in the past couple of weeks, Anne, you've tabled a number of questions in mm-hmm. Parliament, and you didn't seem too happy with the responses that you got. I saw you on Twitter <laughs> um, looking down your nose, if that's the correct term, at the answers you got. So just what were the questions that you raised and then what was the sort of response you got? Uh, well, I, I table questions for every question session, but they're, they're picked out randomly, so you don't always get selected. Um, so I had two selected on consecutive days. One was on uh, the child maintenance uh, system. So basically, uh, I have a constituent who uh, used to have his kids at the weekend and he now doesn't and he has to pay more in child maintenance because he doesn't have the kids at the weekend. But the reason he doesn't have the kids at the weekend is because the child's mother won't allow him. Now, she's not accused him of anything. Um, She's not said the children are not safe and it's not his fault he can't see the kids. So I don't see why he should have to pay more in child maintenance. It's like he's being punished twice. Um, and the response I got was that it was two different matters, as if they weren't related. And the strange thing was that um, uh, Maria Miller, who's a Conservative MP, was clearly surprised to hear what I had to say. And she stood up and asked a supplementary question, saying that she would find it very difficult to justify if that was the case. So since then, uh, the minister has uh, asked me to send her details of the particular case. But I think that's, and I've done that, but I think that's pretty standard practice. They'll look at it and say, yeah, terrible, but nothing we can do about it. But you never know, they might look at it and say, oh, there's an anomaly. We'll need to do something about this. You never know. Um, Did you have any other questions that you raised? Um, There was a question on the cost of employment tribunals. They are becoming far too out of reach for the ordinary working person, particularly the ordinary working person who's lost the job and no longer has a wage to pay for the employment tribunals. So uh, that's under review at the moment. So I was just really asking about that. And what was the other question? Oh, I have. I'm about to table millions of written questions to the DWP. What was the other DWP one? Um, I can't remember. A long list. It had a long list of DWP Mm. questions. It does seem to be a a theme over the past few years that there's been an erosion of legal aid, Mm. employee tribunals. It seems like um, people aren't being supported to do the things that are right. They're just being basically told to suck it up. And the, and the worst thing you can do to people, one of the worst things about uh, poverty, or to be honest, most people I know who are technically living in poverty don't like being described as living in poverty. They don't like being described as being poor. When I was technically poor, I would not have called myself poor. But one of the, so I tend to talk about people on low incomes. Uh, one of the worst things about being on a low income is the powerlessness in your life. Um, and access to justice and education and health shouldn't have anything to do with your income, but increasingly it does have something to do with your income. And if you're in that ridiculous situation where an employer sacks you unfairly, 
doesn't matter if you don't have the money to go to the employment tribunal. There's nothing you can do about that. So I hate that feeling of powerlessness that comes with having no money when things that should cost nothing cost something. Especially when um, low income's kind of endemic, increasingly endemic, that yeah. you get whole generations of people who maybe don't have access to the education to know what their rights are, to feel confident that they can sort of uh, go after the figures of authority that they feel have done them wrong. Yeah, and sometimes you um, just don't know, you're not, yeah, you're right, you don't have access to the information that tells you the things that you don't know that you don't know, um, or the things that you can do to support yourself. But I, I mean, I always say to people, and I'm, I'm going to find ways of saying it uh, more loudly, more clearly, if you think you've been treated unfairly and you live in Glasgow North East, contact me because that's what my job is my job is to get justice for people and um, so get in touch with me and let me fight your corner i will know how to do it if i don't know how to do it myself one of the staff team will know if they don't know then we know how to find out so anyone in glasgow northeast that feels they've been treated unjustly come please come to me and let me help you how would people do that well, there's a number of ways. I mean, at the moment, they can go on. They can go on the Facebook page. They can go on to Twitter. This is how people contact me. They go on to Facebook. They go on to Twitter. They look me up. They contact me. They can go on to the website uh, of the Parliament and get my email address. I'm not going to give you it now because it's such a long email address. Um, or they can phone my London office. Um, anyone listening to this is accessing the internet. What I'm now trying to work on is, traditionally, MPs don't have surgeries during the summer. But the last thing I want is for people to feel that I've got elected and disappeared. So I'm going to have a summer surgery roadshow. And my aim is to have the posters for that right across the constituency so that nobody misses it. And on that, well, there'll be my phone number and the address of my temporary office. And maybe even by then, I'll have a permanent office. Leading on from that, you were uh, photographed, tweeted about, and been involved in the Votes at 16 campaign. Uh, it seems to be, you know, obviously we've got uh, Votes at 16 up here. They don't have votes at 16 nationally. Um, what's your thoughts about that campaign? You, you, were, you were happy to stand there with a big placard. Is it something you really believe in? Yeah, I just, I just, it's not something that desperately upsets me. I just think it's silly that, you know, at the age of 16, you are classed as an adult. And, well, we've heard all the arguments, you know, if you, you work, you pay tax, you get punished by the Tory government for being 16, so therefore you should be entitled to vote. You should be entitled to vote the Tories out so that they can stop attacking you 16-year-olds. But, yeah, I just, I just feel it's, it's just silly, um, and I, I don't see any argument against it. That leads us on to, I suppose, the biggest Tory assault that happened recently, the so-called emergency budget. Um, I don't know what was... An emergency about it other than that they were going to cause a few emergencies um there were announcements that introduced like a living wage that's barely above minimum wage um tax credit cuts to families and i suppose what we've just talked about uh a removal of support to young people um what are your thoughts about that budget i'll tell you something interesting about the budget and i'll try to hold it together when i tell you this it was horrendous sitting in there while it was going on it was horrible experience and I was telling some of the other SNP MPs, uh, I think Carol Monaghan and Alison Thewlis were outside when I was saying to them, you know, 
I actually was in tears in that budget. I was thinking about people at home watching it on TV, that it's really going to impact on them. And I sat there and I really struggled to contain myself. When I told Carol and Alison that, they said that the two of them had shed tears in that place. Um, because, you know, I was sitting there thinking, wow, you're doing all this to people. And most of the people of Scotland, most of the constituencies in Scotland are SNP. We are diametrically opposed to almost everything you're doing here, but there's nothing we can do. All we can do is talk, all we can do is fight, all we can do is say don't do that, but there's actually nothing we can do to stop it at the moment. And that was really quite distressing. And I just thought, what am I doing here? Why am I sitting here? Why have I got to sit and watch these people as they cheer on this chancellor who is just, you know, being so vicious towards people who, as I, as, as I keep saying, are powerless because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. It was awful. And I really just felt like getting up and walking away and saying, I've had enough of this, but I didn't. I'm back. I'll keep <laughs> fighting another day, but it was an awful, horrible experience. Yeah. I mean, 95% of Scottish seats are with the SNP and everyone, I suppose, in the SNP is opposed to, to what's been proposed in the budget. But like you're saying that even if Scotland, 95% of Scottish seats don't want it, it still happens. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it really, what we want does not matter down there. What Scotland wants does not matter in that place. And I mean, I suppose most people listening to this are probably going to be people inevitably who voted Yes. So, um, you know, I'll still make the obvious point that with independence, we will make our own decisions. If the people of Scotland don't want the budget um, then it, uh, that's being put forward, it won't happen. The people of Scotland with independence can decide which of the proposed manifestos they want, and that's, that's what they'll get. Um, so it's a fairly obvious point to make, and we probably have a bit of a captive independence supporting audience. But then again, there might be people out there who didn't vote or voted no. And I understand, I do understand that. But I hope they understand watching this, that you cannot trust Westminster and Scotland will never matter in Westminster. Uh, you tweeted at the time... Uh which is, in retrospect, now that you said you were close to tears, it does seem, you know, um, different. Justice for the wanes of wealthy homeowners at last. Silver spoons intact, few, what a relief. <laughs> it was... Um, I was being a bit sarcastic. Well, yeah, but I mean, justice for the wanes of wealthy homeowners at last, I think that's, um, I think that sums up. I think the Daily Mail had a graphic in which, it's, in which it had um, a, a breakdown of who, who's better off and who's worse off. And I think there were six cases that they had, and five were marginally better off if you swallowed all the kind of rubbish that was put forward mm. but um, basically poor absolutely broken by this you know th thousands of pounds out um, everyone else sort of squeaked by with 80 quid better off a year etc if you ignore tax credits being removed from them so yeah i think it was um, a pretty grim budget they were talking about it was the inheritance tax thing obviously you know and it was the way that the tories opposite us were cheering like yes Yes, in the way that we would cheer if we finally got justice for people on low incomes, it was like, yes, finally justice for <laughs> for for wanes of rich people, you know. And I I wish them no ill will. I don't have a problem with people having money. I just have a problem with people not having money and not having power. And really, for in these days when there is so little money to spare, to spare any of it for people that are already very wealthy, just. 
makes me sick. I think there was a photograph of Ian Duncan Smith looking the happiest he's ever been. That minimum wage had <laughs> squeaked up slightly and been renamed. Um, <laughs> so how will things like the, the benefits cap at 20,000 outside London and also removal of automatic housing benefit to 18 to 21 year olds, I mean, that'll have a big impact in Glasgow North East especially, I think. Yeah, it will do. And I mean, I think it's just a bit ridiculous to say to 18 to 21 year olds. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. A, a 20 year old is out working and they um, leave home, set up their own home. Uh, possibly they're married with kids, but whatever their circumstances, they have their own place. Um, and then they lose their job for whatever reason, their own benefits, they can't get a housing benefit. And um, I mean, I remember years ago, I worked as a welfare rights advisor in the Gorbals in Glasgow, and um, Thatcher had just done away with um, benefits for 16 and 17 year olds. Uh, and we had a 16 year old who was away from home, living on her own, uh, had been claiming benefits and housing benefit, but was having it removed from her. But she couldn't go back home because that was where her father sexually abused her, but she couldn't prove it. And because she couldn't prove it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't help her. And, and so we're going to have, they say there will be exceptions to the rule, but they always want you to prove that you're the exception. So it's really going to impact on, on young people. And I think the whole budget was very anti-young people. Yeah, so much for the uh, conservative ideals of the striver, you know, the hard worker, the person that wants to get on. Well, you can only get on if you're staying in your mum's bedroom yeah. until you're 25 <laughs> and you don't have any domestic issues to speak of. And if yeah. you do, that you can produce the police report to verify mm. that you've had those. Yeah. And that's kind of relevant as well. The striving thing is relevant as well to this benefits cap. I, I'm completely opposed to the benefits cap because who you're capping is children. You know, the children don't make these decisions. Now, even if you were to believe that people who are existing on benefits and have lots of children, and therefore their expenses that they need to keep their children just above the poverty line come to more than £20,000 a year, even if you believe that they choose that lifestyle, and I find it really objectionable that that Osborne referred to people as choosing a lifestyle of unemployment. But even if you believe that, what about the children? The children don't choose anything. And if we want those children to grow up with the best start in life, uh, starving them is not the way forward. Let's talk about Clipgate. Scottish Labour released a report detailing 131 tweets by SNP members that they classified as vitriolic. Um, but a lot of them were not really vitriolic, and some of them were even tweeted before people ever joined the SNP. Um, Nicola Sturgeon wrote a blog about it, although she did make the point that, you know, the plague's for everyone's house. There's, there's people mm. roughing all sides. Um, you know, some people have got trolls on Twitter, and some people have got trolls in national newspapers. Um, and have you ever suffered at the hand of cyber Britnets? <laughs> uh, yes, on a daily basis, and I have done for years. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm somebody who I, I believe in being courteous. I believe in being nice to people where you can, whether you like what they stand for or not. I'm, I'm a courteous person by nature. I've got good manners. Um, so I, I actually don't like reading um, personal horrible tweets um, but I don't like people saying awful things to each other I just 
don't like it at all, but it's so ridiculous to suggest that it's any worse from people who support or are members of the SNP than anywhere else. I mean, I suppose I can only tell you my experiences, but in my experience, and when I read some of the things that they accuse SNP supporters of saying it doesn't in any way come close to the sort of things that are said to us. Uh, I stood in a by-election, the Inverclyde by-election, and, and I had people posting up um, onto my Facebook page a picture of a wild boar with my face on it, calling me a pig. Um, I had people talking on a football forum about whether or not they would um, throw me out of bed. I mean, it was awful stuff and I've had, um, I, I do have people at the moment that are sort of continually trolling me. I tend not to respond and, um, you know, if I have a constituent who wants my help, uh, they can contact me, as I said, through Twitter, Facebook, by email, but if they just want to snipe at me um, using social media, well, carry on. I tend not to block people, I just ignore them. But it's amazing how quickly you grow a thick skin. Mm. Um, I mean, I was a very, very sensitive wee child, and even, you know, as a teenager and as an adult, I took things to heart so much. And I suppose, uh, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but one of the benefits of being in elected politics, as I was a few years back before I became an MP is that you have no choice, you sink or swim, you develop a thick skin or you end up a gibbering wreck and uh, yeah, so I've got a pretty thick skin mm. and I can just handle it now, but it's not nice. I think the internet represents the best and the worst of people, you know, mm. it's, it's people, so many people that you see whose voices you've never heard, but also with that comes uh, people who are a bit angry or mm. a bit disturbed or even not very good at trying to convince other people. I don't know how yeah. you're ever going to win an argument by um, sticking the boot in so mercilessly. Yeah. Um, and when somebody says to me, when somebody's very aggressive towards me, wanting me to do something and sort of throwing down the gauntlet and daring me to do something that they're convinced I'm not going to do, it, it doesn't really make me inclined to go out of my way to respond positively. Mm -hmm. um, because, as I say, I'm a polite person and I expect other people to be polite. What you have to do, though, with the internet is you have to train yourself. If you are sort of, a, I don't want to say a victim, but if you're a target for that mm -hmm. sort of thing, you've got to train yourself to not spend more time focusing on the negative stuff than you do on the positive. Because if you look at it in terms of, if I look at it in terms of the feedback I get, I get far more positive stuff than I do negative. But from time to time, like anybody else, I will think, this is awful, people are being awful to me. But in actual fact, the vast majority of them are being absolutely lovely. Sometimes you don't have to do very much at all and people are on Facebook and Twitter saying how grateful they are, how much they appreciate you and, you know, giving you a pat on the back and it's lovely and you feel you don't deserve it sometimes, but you get more of that than you get of the negative stuff. It's just the negative stuff gets a bit more attention. Yeah, people, you tend to remember the negative stuff and sometimes it can, it can hurt, but you obviously... You must get so much more of each, like you're saying. You must get so much positive, but also because your profile and, and you, you know, um, being in the SNP, for example, you must also attract a lot of criticism. So yeah, you just yeah. have to let it go. Yeah, you do. And and uh, you know, I'm really lucky, and I do actually genuinely mean this. Lots of people don't get any feedback in their working life. They don't get anything at all. I've I've got people coming on to social media and saying really nice things to me. So I'm very fortunate in that respect. Talking about evil. 
Was mm-hmm. there ever so perfectly named a thing <laughs> as evil? English votes for English laws, or as the wee ginger Doug called it, English votes for everyone's laws. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the majority, uh, the majority Conservative government are planning to address the West Lothian question by giving English MPs, or they did plan to, uh, giving them a sort of uh, a buy to the first round, to give them an extra round of uh, being able to veto bills in Parliament. I mean, and how does it feel to be in a constituency that may at some point in the future be seen as a second-class constituency in Westminster? Yeah, I think it's despicable. And strangely, on Wednesday the 15th, I am making my maiden speech in that debate, the evil debate. So I'll have plenty to say about it then. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, you can't have a two-tier system when people have all been elected in the same general election on the same basis to represent their constituents. And I think, you know, the SNP has been very fair and very principled in only voting on things that affect constituents in Scotland. And um, uh, so I don't think we need to be told uh, what we can and can't vote on, what we can and can't discuss in committee. And yeah, it just it just really, I, was, I nearly said a bad word there, it, <laughs> it just really um, annoys me. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. It annoys me that, that they seriously days after the Scotland Bill went through and every single one of the SNP's amendments to the bill that affects Scotland, the country we represent, every single one of our amendments was voted down by people representing the other three countries of the United Kingdom. Days after that, they're coming out and saying, this isn't fair, you lot shouldn't be allowed, you Scots shouldn't be allowed to vote on things that only affect people in England. They're, they're hypocrites. It's just, that's, that's all I can say. How did those debates go in the Scotland Bill? Um, as you said, it wasn't, um, how to put it, it was a mess, in as much as no Scottish amendments seemed to have made it in its Scotland mm-hmm. Bill, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it like being in the chamber as they were discussing this stuff, which must have infuriated you? Uh, it was quite quiet for a start because most of the people that voted didn't sit in in the debates. Mm. Um, yeah, it was That it should was be awful. a rule, sorry, that should be a rule. If you're going to mm. vote, you need to have sat in, in the debate. Yeah, no. You should take attendance. <laughs> Nobody would vote. <laughs> take the register. <laughs> <laughs> McLaughlin Anne, present. <laughs> um, here, miss. Uh, yeah, uh, no, um, it, was, it was pretty awful. And initially, in the first day of the debate on the Scotland Bill, the Labour Party were awful and you could see that it was almost like they and the Tories had been discussing it beforehand. You know, Tories and Labour working together. I know, <laughs> perish the thought. Um, so it felt a bit like that but I have to say that the Labour Party got better yep. over the next few days. It was in committee, it was still in the chamber but it was called committee uh, reading of it um, and I have to say they got better and uh, also, they've been pretty good on the evil thing. The evil thing is going to be pushed through on standing orders, so they just want to amend the standing. I mean, they say it's because we have the Scottish Parliament and they don't have an English Parliament. For us to get our Scottish Parliament, we had to campaign for years, then we had to have a referendum, then we had to have elections. All they're proposing to do is amend the standing orders of the House of Commons, which is just ridiculous. And thankfully, the Labour Party are supporting us on that and making very valid points on why that can't happen. And, and as it's happened, you know, the pressure we've put on them has resulted in them saying that they won't take a vote 
on it this week. We'll have the debate this week, but the vote will be in September. And that tells me that there's scope for us to, to maybe put a stop to it or do something to it. Yeah, for, I mean, for uh, the Tory government with a very slim majority, they would, I suppose, want to put that through as part of their 100 days in mm. government, you know, to, mm. um, while, while they've still got some momentum. Um, mm. For them to sort of backpedal on that now, I feel like it's going to come back, but I'm not sure how or how they're going to do it. Well, um, so what they've done is st we're still going to have the debate and they say it's still going to be an amendment to uh, a change to the standing orders. The, the problem with that is that it means that you can't scrutinise the legislation at committee stage, where it really is scrutinised line by line. It also means you can't put forward amendments, um, although it, after what happened to the Scotland Bill, it feels like what's the point in putting forward amendments anyway, because they're just going to vote us down. But um, there may well be amendments that we could reach consensus on, but you can't do that if it's standing orders. If it's not a bill, you can't, you can't make those changes. So uh, I think they will still try to make it a standing orders, change um but the fact that they're putting it off the vote on it till september says to me that there's scope for us to build a bit of momentum in that campaign yeah so this week i uh, don't have anywhere to live yet i just not had time to go and view any apartments so i tend to book an apartment i don't like staying in a hotel i book a different apartment in a different bit of london every week and this week I um, was staying in Canary Wharf and I decided, um, I normally, uh, as I say, I keep saying I normally get the train, but I decided to fly down because if I flew down, I could be in the apartment for nine o'clock and get two or three hours work done mm. and get something to eat. And uh, so I got to the apartment for nine o'clock and the guy met me with the keys and he said, there's a slight problem, uh, the flat's not clean. And I said, oh, oh, okay. Not clean flat, that doesn't sound good. I know. <laughs> and I thought, well, my own flat's not that clean at the moment. But And he said, but don't worry, the cleaners are on their way. They'll be here in about half an hour. And I said, all right, okay. I said, that sounds like then, a worrying kind of emergency cleaner team, something sort of SWAT <laughs> team about this. And it was an emergency Brazilian cleaning team, as it turned out. But I don't think they came all the way from Brazil. But when they got there, um, they said to me, Oh, you'll have to leave. So I actually got kicked out of the flat. They said they couldn't possibly clean with me there. So I had to just wander about a part of London that I didn't know in the dark, late at night, <laughs> um, <laughs> and just wait for them to tell me that I had permission to enter the house again. So by this point, of course, it was about half past 10 by the time I got in. I did wander about and I thought, well, I've got a microwave meal. I'll just put it in the microwave that was advertised. <laughs> and I got in and there was no microwave and there was a whole load of things missing. And ah, it was driving me mad. It, this is the glamour of the MP lifestyle. Then. It is. So the best laid plans <laughs> uh, don't, always, um, don't always happen the way you plan. So I'm not getting a flight again in the hope that I can get a few hours work done because I know it doesn't work out. I'm just going to get the train in future. Okay, and AOB anything else you'd like to talk about the podcast that I've not brought up so far? Yes, I'm very pleased with myself. Um, I, uh, there, there are two places in uh, Westminster where debates take place. So one is in the chamber that you see on TV and the other is in uh, Westminster Hall. And the Westminster Hall debates, there's no vote taken, there's no decision, but it, it raises awareness of certain issues and I'll certainly be trying to get some Westminster Hall debates myself. Um, but I thought you couldn't intervene 
in a debate unless you'd made your maiden speech. I discovered that wasn't the case. So on, I'm part of the Justice and Home Affairs team for the SNP, as you know. Um, so uh, Joanna Cherry, who leads on that, was speaking in a Westminster Hall debate on immigration and I thought I would go along and support her and maybe make an intervention and I ended up making three. Once <laughs> I got started I couldn't stop and um, I tried to make a fourth one and as uh, I wasn't able to, I'm going to tell you what it was, the minister responsible for whatever we're debating sums up for 10 minutes at the end. So the minister for immigration uh, summed up at the end and I intervened on him and then it got to eight and a half minutes and I wanted to say to him, you know, is it my fault for intervening on you earlier and eating into your time? Is it my fault that we've got to eight and a half minutes and you've yet to say a single positive thing about immigrants or immigration? But I didn't get the opportunity to say that, oh. but I would have enjoyed that mm -hmm. because, I mean, it was all stuff like sham, the words he was using, sham, failed, illegal, criminal, and he didn't say a single mm -hmm. thing that... Sometimes they do, sometimes they'll say, of course immigrants have added a lot to, the, but they won't tell you what immigrants have added mm -hmm. because they don't actually believe it. Mm -hmm. But he didn't <laughs> even bother to say that and I was so desperate to get that in. Now though that I've got a taste for intervening and I'll, I know I'm allowed to do it, I think I'll be doing quite a bit more of it. The tube strike happened this week mm. from TV. You can see there was carnage as Londoners had to walk. <laughs> I had to walk. Um, how did that affect you? Well, the problem is you couldn't walk because the streets were so uh, crowded. Um, yeah, I, I have to admit, to my shame, I was moaning about the, the workers going on strike because of the inconvenience to myself. <laughs> and then I suddenly remembered that I support the workers <laughs> and I support the right to, to good uh, paying conditions. So, and, and they are having significant changes to their working patterns. So um, I, I, I decided to stop moaning about it. But yeah, I, I was staying in, I stay in a different place each week. I don't have anywhere to live yet. So I just book a flat wherever I can. And, I, and had I realised there was going to be a tube strike, I would not have gone to Canary Wharf. You cannot walk from Canary <laughs> Wharf to Westminster. What I did do, I, um, I had my suitcase with me on uh, Thursday morning. And I walked to the boat, the river boat. Unfortunately, I set off in the wrong direction, so it took me an hour. <laughs> but it was lovely sunshine. Um, got on the boat, and the boat is so comfortable, and what a lovely way to go to work. And then I just walked from um, Embankment, which is like a 10-minute walk. The way back was slightly more difficult. I normally get the train, but I decided to fly because I didn't know how I would get to Euston. I knew that the buses would be too mm. crowded. I don't know how to walk there. I'm terrible with directions, as I've just told you. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, loads of them fly back from London City. I'll just share a cab with some other MPs, and uh, we couldn't get a cab anywhere. We went to get the boat, couldn't get the boat um, and we were all slightly worried. We finally hailed a cab and I think it was uh, £73 but there were four of us so that was alright. Um, and we managed to get our flight as well but I, I do remember thinking when I was um, slightly stressed about getting to the airport I thought well you know if this had been a few months ago I wouldn't have this option I wouldn't have been able to book a flight I would have had to have stuck to Euston I would not have been able to afford a taxi um, and yeah so there'll be a lot of people really struggling to get home and so I was a, a lot better off than many of them but yes having experienced my first London tube strike I do hope that workers get what they want pretty soon because I don't want to experience another one
And that brings us to the end of another episode of Parliamental. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can contact us on Twitter at ParlamentalPod, on Facebook, search for Parliamental, and via email at parliamentalpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. Anne and I will return in a fortnight with another episode. We're definitely going to do this one. Yep, definitely. definitely. back in a fortnight. So thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.